everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm here with you again. Can you even believe it? It's hard to believe that we're actually doing this today. Sir Alan of the Roundtable, it is a pleasure and a... Well, it's it's just a pleasure to be here. I don't. I thought I had another. Don't adjective. don't try to oversell it. No, it's all right. I mean, yeah. it's you know, look here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters. I do provide us delicious diet cokes to drink. Yeah, so for sure. And I mean, inter- and uh, uh, what you got a granola bar over there? Or no, what is that? A protein bar? Yeah, it's a protein bar. It's a. Uh, it's a generic one, so I don't you know. It might be plant protein, which well, doesn't really count. we're not going to buy a brand name here. I mean, let's oh, be God, honest. Oh, God, no. This budget? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. A budget no, of nine, minus $6 per month? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. No, can't do it. Well, hey, it's a, a happy uh, 4th of July. It's about that time, somewhere yeah. around there. Sure, for our, for our American listeners. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we're a worldwide operation here, Mark. So. Are we ever? Yeah. I'm not even sure that we're confined to, well, yeah, we're probably confined to Earth. I think mostly Earth. Although, you never know. These radios... Oh, no. It's not... I keep forgetting. It's not a radio thing. In fact, uh, I think Harvey was telling me this. Is he here today? No. Who's here today? Constantine's here today. He tried to call off. Harvey's tired of filling in for him. I bet. I think, honestly, I mean, just between you and me, I think Harvey has a little bit of an axe to grind uh, since he found out Constantine was dating his sister, um, um, Hermione? Hermione? I think it's Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. Well, apparently her parents are Harry Potter fans, Mark. I I guess they must be. Yeah. Um, I think he has a brother named Lord Voldemort, <laughs> which probably was a less a less good choice. Yeah. That that would have been tough in grade school. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the teacher would have crossed him. No, probably not. Like, That's really? I got a C? How about yeah. a- Avada Kavada? Avada, I'll do the death thing It's on avocado you. or something like that. No, don't say I, it out loud. No, that's right. No, no, no. Yeah, the curse that should be not named. Well, hey, Mark, let's uh, let's talk about the thing we're actually here to talk about this week, what? which is season six, episode nine, Cones of Dunshire. Oh, yeah, that's what we're It's been doing. a long time coming. Yeah, it, We it took has. some time off there a few weeks ago and- uh, We've been doing, what, every other week-ish here this summer, and uh, I think as we get a little closer to August, we're going to be back to our weekly schedule, so I'm looking forward to that. I I am, too. This is an interesting episode in that the the cones, as you know... Are they a metaphor, Mark? I'm not even going to touch that with a 10-foot cone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) the, the, The fans of Parks and Rec, I think, are are very attuned to the, the cones, even sure. though they don't really make a, a ton of appearances no. in Parks and Rec, but they're very I- yeah. iconic. Yeah. Two or three. Maybe just two. I think it might just be two. Yeah. This episode. And then of course, later at uh, Grizzle, right? It's, I think so. It, it's kind of a pachytis thing. It, uh, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's lasting. Yes. Yes. It's exactly. got staying power. Yep. I, I have my cone shirt on today to celebrate. Yeah, you do. And then we're bringing back, of course, the feature today, the, uh, the well, what do we call this? The Funko of the Week? Yeah, the Funko of the yeah, Week. So we've got Ben Wyatt here uh, and uh, playing the uh, from Cones of Dunchar. So he's holding a green cone there. Yeah. Now, I don't have the extra cool variant of this where he's wearing the Ledgerman hat. <sighs> Well, I don't even want to be here then. I, that That's what I'm here for. I know. Me the too. Ledgerman hat. Uh, me agreed. Yeah. Um, we would fight over it if we had it, though. Yes, we would. Yeah. But that is so. very cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, well, hey, Mark, uh, this, let's talk about this episode. Yeah. In fact, this episode first aired uh, just like uh, our last episode on 
November 21st, 2013. If you remember, this was a back-to-back. Back-to-back-to-back, yeah. Yeah, or at least back-to-back. I don't know. Two backs. Two backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this episode was directed by Julianne Robinson and written by Dave King. Wow. We've talked about Dave before. I don't know if we've ever talked about Julie I was Robinson just thinking before. That, yeah. yeah, I think she's kind of new. So welcome aboard, Julie. Yeah, you get yeah. the golden pen. The golden pen. No, no, she's the director. She gets the golden uh, clapper. Give thing. that golden pen back. We didn't mean to give, give it to you. Give that to Dave. That goes to Dave. Give her the golden camera. Or <laughs> They're expensive, chair, but whatever. okay. I I mean, yeah. We don't have a budget. We drink, you know, generic Diet Coke and granola bars, granola but bars. okay, we'll get her golden camera. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, th- those two are, are uh, helming the show this week. And yes. uh, why don't we get right into our episode summary? The, yeah. I think you call the synopsises when you're fancy. Yeah. Experts around the world, when asked, will call these synopsises. That is correct, Sir Ellen. That, that is the plural, plural of synopsis. Yes. Okay. That's from the Latin meaning, let's get on with it. So the- You can learn things from this show. Let's get on. I'm I mean, Mr. Joke. I'm sorry. Anything's possible. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. All go, right. Mark, go. Sorry. So, so my A story uh, is entitled uh, Nope versus Jam, the final fight. With Leslie's time on the city council soon coming to a close, as her final task, she seeks to guarantee the longevity of the project that started it all, the Sullivan Street Pit, which, after getting filled, in became Lot 48, and finally became the intended site for the architectural park design that is now referred to as Pawnee Commons. There it is. Specifically, the money set aside for Pawnee Commons is in a discretionary fund. Leslie wants to move this money to a lockbox to ensure it is used for that project. Unfortunately, once again seeking to thwart Leslie, Councilman Jeremy Jam moves. Yeah, boo. We don't like that guy. He sucks on ice. He moves to table any decision on the money until Leslie is like out of office and stuff and not there. Yeah. Determined to succeed with this final action. Leslie, assisted by Chris as mediator, confronts Jam at his house and insists on hashing things out. Jam agrees to have her and Chris stay the night with the goal being to begin negotiations the next morning. They continue while Jam makes them breakfast and for some while afterwards, but Jam continues to play hardball and Leslie has to think on her feet regarding her next move. What will happen? Will Jam continue to play hardball? Can Chris figure out what is really driving Leslie to do this? Does Leslie succeed in ensuring the future of Pawnee Commons? Who is Jam's best friend? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are good little teasers there. I'm, I, I like that. Uh, I, your title, I liked it so much, I almost have the same title. Oh, really? Yeah. My theme this week was no theme, just random. Like, I couldn't come up with a theme this week. I, I really dialed. Right on. I phoned this one in. Right. Yeah. So mine is uh, Note versus Jam, the final battle kimono. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. It's got a little, a good, little slant there. A little stretch. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So my B story I have as entitled... Cabin for sale, slightly used, hipsters need not apply. (laughs) That's pretty good. Ron has purchased a new cabin that will provide a more, shall we say, friendly environment for Diane and the kids. As a result, Ron decides it is time to sell one of his four, I mean two, cabins. (laughs) 
Reluctantly realizing he might need help, he enlists Donna and, by proxy, Tom, to assist him as realtors, with April tagging along out of pure interest and maybe some curiosity and boredom. As one might imagine, Ron does not like or understand Donna and Tom's frou-frou approach to sprucing up his cabin. Making things worse, Ron very much dislikes the type of people looking to buy it, such as uh, one bidder who wishes to buy the property purely for the land and thus will end up demolishing the cabin. How will this turn out? Will Donna give Ron the friends and family discount? Will Ron accept the friends and family discount? Can Tom leverage this opportunity to become the mogul he's always dreamed of? Does Ron end up selling his cabin, and if so, to who? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Only one minor correction. I believe that would be to whom. Oh, I don't know to whom. I have no idea. We've got to so, see dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. So my my title, Mark, uh, was um, the, the Cabin in the Woods. So this is a movie theme, apparently. I, like I said, I'm all over the place today. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods 2, The Cantankerous Coot. <laughs> so, That's good. Thank you. That was a good movie, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, my God. Had Thor in it. Trippy, trippy movie. Yeah. Yeah, watch that if you... Uh, and it had a Josh Lyman in it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was... It's a fabulous movie that I was... I still don't know how to process. Yeah. Maybe if I'd been, like, uh, relaxed, you know, on some sort of substance, it would have been really, really good. But I mean, we don't... We don't condone that. We don't Here condone at LFP that. No, Worldwide no, no. Headquarters, we have a weekly test, so, you know, you we don't... Baggy, uh, uh, so let's move no, on, No, Mark. no, no, no. Hey, what's your C, uh, your C story? Yeah, the C story. Um, the C story I have is entitled, Tilton and Radomsky 3, Third Time's a Charm. Nice. We'll see. Yeah. Now that Ben is no longer working for Sweetums, which we found out last episode, he had to make a decision as to his next job and decided to take the offer from the accounting firm that Barney Varman works for, Tilton and Radomsky. However, he had a week off until he started there, so he used his spare time creating a very nerdy and complex board game called the Cones of Dunshire, which I think Leslie mentally categorizes along with some of his other strange obsessions like claymation and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, on Ben's first day, Barney is overjoyed to see him, as always, but an employee named Frank Mann is not impressed with Ben or his legendary status around the office and is looking to see him fail. Mm. Ben gets put to the test on his first day when Barney apologetically gives Ben their toughest case. What will happen? Can Ben crack the case, or will Frank end up gloating in his face? <laughs> that rhymed. Does, <laughs> does Ben break the Barney curse and finally keep his job with Tilton and Radomsky? Will Ben ever find a worthy home for the Cones of Dunshire? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Uh, yeah, I think the other two are may maybe movie titles. This one's more of a song lyric. Uh, this is the original uh, <laughs> lyrics to the song we well know. Uh, this one's uh, Ben is back and you're going to be intangible. Wow. It's a accountant humor there. Wow. You know, because the accountants, we both know all very, very funny people. Oh, I, I'm still laughing at some of the jokes they told. <laughs> that they didn't tell. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, hey, Mark, what was your AKA for this week? My AKA, you know, Alan, we do a much better job than NBC, as always, of yeah. naming stuff. Well, I mean, comes to Junshire, not bad. It's functional. Sure. Um, for me, one of the lines, actually, I don't know that this really describes the episode on the whole, but this line just cracked me up. Yeah, is when. Here. 
Leslie and Councilman Jam are kind of uh, bickering back and forth a little bit in council chambers. And and I think at one point, Leslie gets in a good little jab to Jam and she holds up her, her hand to give like a high or fist bump, maybe fist bump, uh, yeah. to to the, the venerable uh, Councilman Milton. This is amazing. And, and, and Councilman Milton responds by going, oh, the girl, the girl is, is attacking, attacking me. me. Yeah, it's a mine, too. What's that yours? I, I, that is so random. Like, I can't believe that of all the lines, like it's like Milton has two lines in the whole show and we both picked it. Yeah. I, I, it's like, no, like you don't even believe me. Do you look there? It is. See it right there. The girl is attacking. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I like, see. I just can't believe that. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan of the round table just showed me his, uh, his notes as he calls them. Yeah. And sure enough, he has that scribbled on a napkin. I do. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I just wrote it, but no, 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 truly. I <laughs> just, a good uh, one. I picked that like two weeks ago. Oh, I mean, it has nothing to do with the episode almost. It has nothing to do with the so episode. Funny. Yeah. I mean, he's just a funny guy, right? He's very, he's yeah. very James used. Green, the, the late James great Green, James, late Green James Green as Councilman uh, Fielding Milton. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So there you have it. Well, hey, Mark, let's go on and get into our breakdown and we'll get this thing finally going on the road. All right. Let's bring it down, bring it down. All right. For our cold open, Sir Alan, um, we start off on a sunny day at Leslie and Ben's house. And inside, we see Ben holding his hands in front of Leslie's eyes, guiding her forward, very excited. It looks like he's about to spring something on her. Hey, Constantine, start us off right, man. Play the clip. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe. Are you ready? Yes? I got fired from running the Sweetums Foundation. Thanks to me. Sorry again. Hey, blessing in disguise. I took a job at this accounting firm. They've tried to hire me three times. I finally gave in. But I've had a week off in between jobs, and I've been cooking up something pretty big. The last time he was in between jobs, he got deep into claymation. So this should be different, hopefully. Presenting the Cones of Dunshire, a brand new gaming experience. Eight to 12 players, two wizards, a maverick, the Arbiter, two warriors, a corporal, and a ledgerman. Now, the ledgerman just keeps score, and he wears this hat. Awesome. Now, the object is to accumulate cones, four cones wins, but in order to get a cone, you have to build a civilization. The other amazing thing is the challenge flight. Actually, let me tell you more about the trivia cards because yeah. you need to know about Roblox first. Yeah, oh, of course. Mind. No. The thing about challenge play is that it's basically the game in, in reverse. reverse. Then you roll three dice to see how many dice you roll with. Oh, 16. Perfect. Lots of choices. <laughs> okay, each turn goes roll, buy, action. I mean, obviously this would be much taller in the real game. But the corporal can veto. This should be green too. How did this happen? Are the cones a metaphor? Well, yes and no. Mm. What, is, what is this called again? The cones of Dunshire. Oh my God. The Maverick should be able to trade lumber for agriculture credits. How have I not thought of this before? This is nothing, right? Um, when do you go back to work again? Tomorrow. It's fine. I'll just throw this in the garbage. <laughs> wow. Oh. Good stuff there. That that's there's a few visuals there oh that are gosh, just yeah. wonderful. One is when they're having their talking head. And Leslie's talking about how, like, the last time that Ben had yeah. some time off, he created claymation, yeah. like, and then Ben mimes Leslie's head exploding. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to blow her mind. This but, game yeah, it's going to blow yeah. her mind. Yeah. And then you look at the Cones of Dunshire. It is this sprawling thing across this huge table like like this. Is I love something... that he thinks the cones will be bigger in the real production game. I oh, mean, yeah. They're already like foot and a half tall. Yeah, they're immense. They're, yes. Yeah. So. 
but that i mean that represents a lot of work uh, for me and, and we 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 got some buddies we play a game with yeah. it's one of them their famous old games yeah but, you know these newer games you know there there is definitely a process to them and You've seen me struggle with those, like yes. the roll by, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's, they're not for everybody. And, and I think Ben's game might be a little complex for the common, uh, the common gamer. That, that very well may be true. But, but I would play it. I'd I certainly like to try. I think the phrase build a civilization can immediately make people like go, no, no. You know, I just want to no. get five in a row and say Yahtzee. <laughs> How many agriculture credits do you actually need in this game? That's what I wanted. To I know, think my so. favorite line is you roll three dice to see how many dice you're going to roll. 16, 16 great. Oh, lots of choices. <laughs> Can you imagine rolling 16 dice? You just basically get like a beer stein, fill them with dice and go. That's about it. Yeah. Yep. I'd rather just drink the beer out of the beer stein. Yeah. yeah. Well, nice job there on their cold open, Mark. And uh, let's uh, let's move on. From there, we move in the council chambers where we join Leslie and the rest of the city council as we open our main episode. And Leslie's getting her passion project jammed at every turn, literally. Boy, you're not just whistling Dixie there. At City Hall, in Council Chambers, Councilman Hauser is getting ready to adjourn, but before he does, Leslie brings up one more piece of new business. The Pawnee Commons. Oh, boy. This is where she tries to fist bump him, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, the girl is attacking me. The girl is attacking me. <laughs> Spe specifically, the money that has been set aside for the Pawnee Commons is currently in a discretionary fund. Mm, and she wants to see it move to a lockbox to ensure it's used, actually, for the Pawnee Commons. Jam, who is clearly excited about the prospect of Leslie soon no longer being with them, suggests they table it until Leslie is no longer with them. And then gets up and then leaves. Wow. Yeah. That's not nice. No. No. No, kind of jerky. Learn some manners, everybody. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, out in the bullpen, Ron announces that he is looking to sell his cabin. Well, one of them anyway. And he is quickly offered some assistance from a newly licensed local real estate mogul. Yeah, at City Hall in the bullpen, we see Tom, Donna, and April hanging out when Ron walks in carrying several sheets of paper. When asked what's up, Ron tells them he's trying to sell his cabin, but he hasn't had much luck. He shows them the papers he's carrying, which turn out to be uh, the ad he's using yeah, for the cabin. Brilliant. In typical Swanson fashion, it isn't very wordy. For sale, small house, location, forest. <laughs> Donna tells Ron two things. A, if he really wants to sell his Cabin in the Woods, great movie, he needs a professional to stage it properly. And B, luckily for him, Donna just got her real estate license and has started Regal Meagle Realty. Ron reluctantly admits, all right, you probably use some help. And Tom offers to help Donna if he can get a piece of the commission. You know, keep that mogul dream alive. Sure. Split that commission. Split that commission. Mark, my favorite part of the poster was the part that Donna read out loud, which <laughs> says the most words of all. Current owner will not clean up shotgun shells or animal carcasses. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you, Swanson? <laughs> he did flex a little bit. He said he would go on and clean up the, the shotgun shells. Yeah, but the carcasses need but to be there to fertilize the berry patch. Yeah, that's right. They stay. That's nice that the house comes with a berry patch. Yeah, it is nice. That's a plus. I don't want to think about how it gets fertilized, but yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we now jump over to our favorite local accounting firm, and it's Ben's first day as new gig, and we get to see both familiar and new faces. Yeah, we now cut to Ben greeting his new boss, Barney Varm. Love Barney. I love Barney. At his new place of work. Tilton and Radomsky accounting. Barney, as you might imagine, is overjoyed. Ted, get in here. He's here. <laughs> with all the times Ben has nearly taken a job with Tilton and Radomsky accounting, he's finally here. Clearly, Alan, Barney is a fan. We've, well, we, I don't think we've ever actually met Ted. Ted's like a... a um, Vera. Vera yeah. from, from Cheers. No, you're right. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it even funnier. <laughs> Um, we then, however, meet Frank, who is not a fan. No. Frank has heard all about Ben and thinks it sounds good, a little too good, if you ask him. <laughs> so now Frank has his eye on Ben waiting for him to screw up. He, he closes that scene by saying, let's see if you live up to the hype. And Ben goes, <laughs> and he says, I'm not joking. Oh. Oh. So Frank seems cool. Frank seems cool. <laughs> Well, over in Leslie's city council office, it's nearly time to pack up. But before she does, Leslie seeks allies in her final and tie-breaking battle against the biggest dinkhead of all time. It's got to be Jam. Is that the one you're talking about? Oh, dinkhead. Yeah, one letter does make a difference, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> Constantine, you get your your finger on the edit button? because Yeah, he's know. ready. All right, he He's might right have to, to bleep you yeah. if necessary. Yeah, ding, ding, dink, dink, head. Okay, yeah. we now cut back to City Hall where we see Leslie in her office, like you said. And he, she's talking on the phone with Anne uh, when the scene starts. We see Chris poke his head in. Leslie wraps it up with Anne so she can talk to Chris. Apparently, Leslie complained to Chris about what Jam is trying to do regarding Pawnee Commons. This particular showdown between Leslie and Jam, as you mentioned, Alan, is especially meaningful, not just because of Pawnee Commons, but because, A, this will be her last action before she leaves office, and B, she's kept score of all the other times they've gone head-to-head, -head, and apparently the score is tied to 56 to 56. Crazy. Therefore, this serves as a, a tiebreaker of sorts, at least in Leslie's head. Chris listens and wants to help, but as city manager, he he uh, verifies he can't take sides. But while he can't help directly, he tells Leslie he, he really is on her side and offers to mediate between the two of them. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. He, just like Dr. Phil, but only qualified. qualified. Yep. <laughs> well, Mark, two cabins, four cabins, whatever the real number is, Bob. In two. any case, it well, sure. Two. That, officially, it is two. It's two. But in any case, Ron has too many, and it's time to find a new steward for this one. That's right. We now cut to the Swanson cabin, geolocation very disclosed, yep. where Donna, Tom, and April are with Ron standing outside and just having a look around. Ron informs Tom that no, Diane's not making him sell the cabin. It's just he recently purchased a new cabin big enough for the whole family, and he can't justify owning however many cabins he owns, let's say two. Um, <laughs> Donna and Tom start discussing all the frou-frou things they want to do in preparation for showing it to potential buyers. And they go inside to strategize. And in true Swanson fashion, Ron uh, disapproves of most of what they're saying and stays outside to grumble to April. Yeah, I think uh, Tom wants to decorate the fireplace with fake antlers and scarves. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think it was the antique posters of Visit France that got him. Yep. Because, <laughs> you know, Europe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, back at Tilton and Rondonsky, it's Ben's first day, and he is already elbow deep in paperwork and needed on his first assignment. No pressure whatsoever. That's right. We see Ben seated in his new office getting acclimated, and we then see Barney smiling and Frank, not smiling, walk into Ben's office with big boxes of papers. And Barney apologizes to Ben for starting him out like this, and on a Friday, no less, but he needs to give Ben their toughest case. Barney is giddy, excitedly waiting to see how Ben's going to solve this. Frank is frowny and grumpy, angrily waiting to see how Ben's going to screw up. No pressure, Ben. No, not at all. Yeah. Mark, you can see there in our little preview, uh, <laughs> Barney and Frank at the window. I mean, both of them manic. Barney in a happy, happy direction, way. Frank yeah. in an angry direction. Yes. <laughs> ben says, if I'm murdered tonight, start the investigation with those two guys. Yeah, not a yeah. bad idea. Because you never know which one it'd be. Mm-mm. Well, meanwhile, at Casa Jam, it's also Friday evening. And despite that, Leslie and everyone's favorite soccer referee are there to insist <laughs> upon lockbox mediation without further delay. Yeah, we now cut to the outside of Councilman Jam's house where we see Leslie and Chris knocking on the front door. Leslie is carrying a large duffel bag and Chris is wearing a black and white striped referee jersey. We see Jam answer the door wearing a kimono because why not because why not constantine play the clip please the hell you nerds doing here we're not done talking about the lockbox this isn't over and i am here to mediate you can't just show up at my door like this look i know we've had our differences but this is very important to me and i'm not leaving until we hash this out i respect the moxie nope you can come in for a minute Shoes off, this is a house of respect. Oh, I don't need to do that, my feet are very clean. No shoes, you lose. No shoes, you lose? That means we should have shoes then, right? No shoes. No. Uh -oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is my weekend dojo. Sorry the place is a bit of a mess. My wife's in Oklahoma for eight months. Maybe forever. We'll see if she forgives me. Oh, Who's that, oh, Michelle God. Wee? It's not sexual, I'm just a really big fan of her game. Really? Yeah. Because in that picture, she's wearing a bikini. Yeah, thanks. Photoshopped it myself. Fantastic. Well, this is about the time I hit the hay, so... Uh... Why don't we all hit the hay? We'll stay here, get a good night's sleep, and we can start negotiations tomorrow. We stopped at the outlet mall on the way here, got ourselves a sleeping bag, giant tin of caramel corn, and an irregular skirt from DKNY. The hem is crooked, but it was eight bucks. The point is, huh. I am not leaving until I get that lockbox. Oh, playing hardball, huh? Hey, no sweat off my sack. You can oh, take the couch, yeah. if you can get my exercise equipment out of the way. I think I can handle it. <laughs> what is that, a combined weight of six pounds there? Yeah, I think Maybe. there are a couple of three-pound dumbbells. Yeah. Leslie reaches down with one hand, yeah. picks up all of Jam's exercise equipment, and is like, yeah, yeah. I, I got this. Throws she, them away. She throws it on the sleeping bag. Yeah. Are her and Chris sharing that? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm unclear on this. No, I think he... Uh, Oh, God, I never thought about that. <laughs> I mean, it would be platonic, right? I mean, you know, he's Anne's man. We know that. Oh, yeah. 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 So, well, Mark, it's the following morning at the local Benihana's. Nope, nope. We're nope. still at Councilman Jam's yep. house. And somehow Leslie clearly knows her enemy and has come prepared to attack his weaknesses. Yeah, it's now the next morning. And we see that Leslie and Chris have, in fact, 
stayed the night at Councilman Jam's house. In fact, the first thing we see is Jam making them breakfast uh, on a Japanese steakhouse-style uh, table, yeah. uh, like you would see at a Benihana's, yeah. with Leslie and Chris watching him. Uh, Leslie suggests they negotiate while they eat <laughs> scrambled eggs with chopsticks, I think is it's the- It's an authentic uh, Japanese breakfast. Yeah, yeah. I won't do his bad, uh, his, his, his offensive accent. accent yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Leslie says, hey, while well, we eat these delicious, delicious uh, Japanese uh, scrambled eggs with chopsticks, <laughs> how about we negotiate what we do that? And Jam says, nah, I don't, don't want to do that. Because he tries to refuse. But when Leslie sweetens the pot with, oh, a cu- sure. with a couple of brewskis in a calendar featuring his favorite female wrestlers- <laughs> Eh, he goes, all right, he agrees. She knows him so well. Yeah, she does. It's a little scary, actually. She knows the way to a jam's heart. Yeah, oh my God. It's like uh, something in a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> well, Mark, we now bounce over to the Swanson Cabin geolocation, obviously known by anyone with the internet. Very disclosed yep. to everybody. Our horrible. open house is underway, and we quickly understand why it's recommended that the seller not be present during these events. That's right. Back at the... Very well-known now, Swanson Cabin. Uh, Inside, we now see several potential buyers looking around, which, as you might imagine, delights Donna and Tom, but predictably aggravates Ron, because that's kind of just his baseline, I think. Pretty much. Um, We then cut outside to where April is talking to a a hipster couple, uh, telling them ridiculous things to up their interest in the place, such as, I heard that Dave Eggers wrote a short story about this tape cassette that he found under that tree over there. My God. And I heard that Nico Case and Ben Gibbard made out here once. (laughs) Again, in typical Swanson fashion, Ron does not understand what in the hell April's doing, but when she makes it clear she's trying to get these annoying dum-dums to pay more money for the cabin, he acquiesces and tells her, carry on. Carry on. Um, you know, the the hipster couple, the female is Megan Omron, who's one of the writers of this show. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Wow. So, yeah. I was just on her Instagram page the other day. She's on strike with everyone else. And so yeah. good luck. We hope that turns out in the writer's favor. Well, it's also a new day at Tilton and Ramdonsky. And despite it being Saturday, there's still plenty of opportunity for bright ideas. I hope so. They got a tough case. They really do. Back at uh, that there Tilton and Radomsky place, uh, we see Ben with uh, Barney Varmina and Frank Mann. I love Barney's last name. I do. Um, So we see Ben with Barney and Frank in a conference room uh, surrounded by boxes and boxes of paperwork. And they're discussing the the, the tough case. Uh, Three competing family trusts, contested will. It's, It's a tough one. After a couple of back and forth exchanges with Barney smiling and Frank jeering, Ben finally comes up with an idea that no one had had before and cracks the case. Barney is ecstatic and even Frank has to admit Ben's got game. I mean, accounting game, but game nonetheless. It's a special kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. It's cones something or other. I don't know. Well, Mark, over at Jam's house, we get a sense of Jeremy's true immersion in Asian culture. And uh, Leslie comes up with a bright idea of her own. Yeah, we uh, we cut back to Councilman Jam's house where negotiations continue. Constantine, do the honors, buddy. Play the clip. Okay, here's an idea. Uh, maybe we name part of the park the Jam Zone. Hmm. Yeah, Jam could dig on that. <laughs> How about if in the jam zone there's no married chicks allowed? Caution, Jeremy. 
I think there are people that will find the no married chicks zone both morally repugnant and hard to enforce. All right. Listen, let us celebrate this progress by sharing these authentic edamame or Tokyo beans. Now, I want you to be very careful about eating these. You eat the shells and you throw the seeds out. Wow, oh. you have really immersed yourself in Asian culture. <laughs> now, I think maybe we should revisit the holding bond idea. Oh, Leslie, come on, I'm getting bored. I mean, we've been at this for hours. Can we please take a break? Perhaps he has a point and we've made some progress. Maybe we go home and take the rest of it up on Monday. No, I cannot wait until Monday. I need to close this deal now. So I have an idea. Hmm. Let's have a change of venue and keep negotiating while we have fun. If I remember correctly, you enjoy the ancient art of karaoke, yes? I do, and kudos on that pronunciation. <laughs> remember your favorite duet. Maybe it's time to take this party to Rydell High. Whoa! I cannot wait to hear your Travolta. Uh, no, no, no. I'm Sandra D. That's more of my register. You're Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> he got friendly holding my hand. She got friendly down in the sand. He was sweet, just turned 18. Well, he was good, you know what I mean. Oh, summer heat. Boy and girl meet, but I own the summer nights. I would like to buy five DVDs of this. No, <laughs> 20. No, no, 60. No, that's insane. 20. I hope 20 is enough. I hope so. I don't know how many uh, family members uh, Anne has in Michigan, but, uh, you know. Yeah. They, they, they may want to see that. Well, in City Hall, I mean, there's a good distribution list there as well. I suppose that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the one visual which, you know, listeners, uh, I admit they're just listeners, no, they're, uh, could, they're could probably smart. put together from the from the duet is, sure. you know, when Leslie tells Jim she remembered his favorite duet, she grabs she visually grabs two jackets, one for the Thunderbirds, which she tosses to Jam and one for the Pink Ladies. And that's when Jam's like, yeah, you need to give me the pink one. I'm Sandra D. <laughs> it's more in his range, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, funny stuff. Fun stuff. Well, Mark, we jump back over to Ron's cabin where Regal Meagle real estate seems to have driven up a lot of interest. But it seems also that Ron might not yet be quite ready to sell. Yeah, we, Alan, we kind of have a good news, bad news situation here. The good news, Donna and Tom confirm there are multiple bidders now on Ron's cabin. The bad news, the bidders are thoroughly irritating Ron. <laughs> For example, one potential bidder is a developer who just wants to tear down the whole place to put in a luxury glamping ground. Yeah. yeah. Which is glamour camping. Yeah. Right up Ron's alley. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hotel. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a freaking hotel just in the woods, um, which is a different movie, Hotel in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't watch that one. If Thor was in it, I'd watch it, though. So, <laughs> but it's so, for example, another potential bidder is the, uh, remember that obnoxious hipster couple oh, we yeah. mentioned earlier? So that's yeah. another potential bidder. Yeah. And and they still think the cabin is just like, oh, it's so, it's so close to nothing. It's such a joke, you know, ha, ha, ha. And they assume that Ron wears his mustache for the humor of it. Like he's going <laughs> to use a little bit of beeswax to do the snidely bit flash curl it. Yeah. And again, in typical Swanson fashion, Ron loses his cool, tells them, we are not accepting bids at this time. Get the hell out. The sun sets in 95 minutes. Yes. Good day. <laughs> not 90 minutes. 95 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he watches the shadows grow longer. He, he, knows, he knows when the sun's going to set. Mark, 
he knows this stuff. Yep. Well, we quickly bounce back over to Belter's karaoke, and Leslie takes the opportunity to push jam on the lockbox once again. I have to pause there. Where are we? It's called Belter's Karaoke. Did you make that up? Nope. There's a neon sign on the wall, and it's named Belter's Karaoke Bar. I totally missed that. You're welcome. Huh. Well... <clears throat> I missed 80 details, Mark, but I got that one. Back at Belter's Karaoke. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Leslie and Jam talk about their fun duet, and Leslie pointedly asks for Jam to now give her the lockbox she wants for the Pawnee Commons. Chris encourages him to do so, reminding him of everything Leslie just did for him. And finally, Jam says, all right, no, what can I say? You wore me down. I will give you my word. I will put it in writing so I can't back out. We won't touch the money for one year. And if the economy holds up, you can start construction then. While Chris considers this a definite win, it isn't good enough for Leslie. She insists she cannot wait a year. She sang a stupid song. She ate a stupid fake Asian food. She did everything he wanted. She wants to start construction Monday. And if he won't give that to her, he can go screw himself. At this, Chris, the referee, gives Leslie a flag and takes Leslie aside <laughs> to talk to her. He gives her the red card. Yeah. And I pointed this out earlier. He's wearing a soccer referee uniform, which is fabulous. And so, of course, red card would be the, you know, you're out. Is that what it is? That's what it means. Yeah. For in, in, in football, you know, is what they call it. I know. Everywhere I else in the world. I do, I do sports. That's fine. You do sports. Yeah. The round ball ones or the, the other ones? I, you name it. All of the, <laughs> all the sports, all the balls. Yeah, I, I love too that uh, during this whole jam Leslie thing, it's been pointed out a couple times that um, Jam sees Leslie as his nemesis, mm -hmm. and, and he is her Superman to his Lex Luthor. <laughs> he wants to be Lex Luthor because he's rich. That is that is one of my favorite little exchanges is, you know, it because it, it, they're they're nemesis, but they're almost like I think Jam considers them frenemies. Frenemies. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're the Superman to my Lex Luthor. And Leslie stops and goes, wait, wait, wait did I hear that right? So you in this comparison, yeah. you you consider yourself the Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's like, dude, he's rich. Duh. Like, what, like what? Why wouldn't I? Like, All right. Uh, Weirdo. Jam. Well, after a short break, we resume at the karaoke bar where Leslie shares her frustrations with Chris and they seem to be about a little more than the lockbox. Yeah, at this point, we see Leslie and Chris have stepped away to talk privately with Chris clearly not understanding why Leslie is so upset. Constantine, play the clip, please. Leslie, you should be happy. You beat Jam in the final battle. Unless there's something more going on here. Anne, this is about Anne. Anne Perkins? I love Anne Perkins. Connie Commons is why I met Anne five years ago. And I know you guys are talking about moving, but I guess I thought if maybe Anne came back from Michigan tomorrow and I was able to look into her smoky, ethnically ambiguous eyes and tell her that we were breaking ground on a new park, she might, she might want to stay. Leslie, I'm sorry. Anne didn't just go to Ann Arbor to visit family. She went to send a lease on her new home. Ann Arbor sounds disgusting. She already has family there, and I have a new job lined up at the University of Michigan. Go blue. It's a good town, and it's a great place to raise a family. What is great about it? There's no JJ's Diner there. There's no Welcome to Pawnee sign. I mean, the stupid state is split up into two pieces. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Unexpected play here, Superman. 
Not exactly sure what you're going for, but I dig your gambit. There is no gambit here, Jam. And who sides with Lex Luthor, <laughs> by the way? You probably watch Million Dollar Baby and root for the stool. <laughs> I haven't seen oh. it. Not a big Morgan Freeman guy. I find his voice very grating. Oh, I God. am leaving now. I am not moving. I'm just going home. Are you guys coming back to my place? What's what's? Are you guys going back to? We wrapping up the weekend? <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess that means it's over. I think Jan was having a good time. I, I think he kind of turned the corner. He was really enjoying that. Yeah. So she should have stuck around because she might have been able to get what she wanted from him. But you know, she's too mad to see through that right now. It's a tough thing to process. Yeah. Well, Mark, Monday morning, we jump back across town to the accounting firm where it's time to celebrate the breakthrough in the case led by Ben, and the team finds the perfect way to honor him. That's right. Monday morning, back at Tilton and Radomsky Accounting, we see Ben in the break room pouring himself a cup of coffee, as we all seem to do to get ourselves going, to give ourselves the energy to go one more day to work. Sorry, I was self-reflecting there. I just hold on. Um, <clears throat> you, you fell in a well there and almost didn't come out of it. I fell in a well of despair. I, I need to step over that. Like I need to place a warning sign. There's a well of despair here. Please go around. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, he's pouring himself the coffee and he's singing to himself about the coffee that he's pouring. And behind him, Alan, over his shoulder, we see Barney, Frank, and the rest of the accountants quietly sneaking up behind him with several pizza boxes before finally yelling, surprise, and startling the heck out of him. Barney tells Ben they decided to throw him a pizza party to say congrats for cracking the case. Except, instead of pizza, what's in the boxes? Of course, calzones. calzones. Yeah. The scene ends with a Ben talking head where he tells the camera, I think it's safe to say I made the right choice. And he then heads back into the break room like, like Norm from Cheers oh, yells, what's up, guys? And they all yell, hey! And then Ben turns around, bing, winks at us, oh and God. then continues into the break room. Alan, it's like Ben has finally returned to his home planet. It pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's a celebration for sure. Really? It, <clears throat> the only thing missing here, or I think, are like, you remember the time Paul Newman was on Letterman and he came out with the finger guns? Yeah. <laughs> if we'd had finger guns, the scene would have been complete. Oh, I agree. The wink was amazing. Though. I, I'm amazed that someone at uh, Tilton and Radomsky isn't into claymation. <laughs> We don't know that they're not. Well, that's true. We don't know we that. We don't. All it right. could I be. Take that back. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, over at Leslie's office, we now get a quick glance at what Leslie apparently did with her Sunday. And Chris drops by to remind Leslie that despite the lack of a, of a bullet train, Ann Arbor is not all that far from Pawnee. Yeah. Monday morning at City Hall, we see Chris walk into Leslie's office where he sees her putting together an emotional slideshow with music and pictures of her and Anne. Chris then tells Leslie three things. A. Even after they leave Pawnee, Anne will always be her best friend, and it's not that long of a trip, really. B. The reason he went with her to Jam's house in the first place is because, like Leslie, he also wants to leave the right kind of legacy, and that includes Pawnee Commons. And C, he has an idea about how they might still be able to make this happen with Jam, and he'd like Leslie to consider it a goodbye gift. Hmm. I wonder what he has up his sleeve. I don't know. We'll find out. 
Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, out in the bullpen, Donna gets a serious offer for Ron to consider. And Ron makes it clear why he was so frustrated at the open house. And we learn who the lucky owner will be. Yeah, we cut to the bullpen and we see Ron, Donna, Tom and April hanging out. And Donna appears to be on the phone with someone. Constantine, do the thing, man. Play the clip. No, thank you. I will let him know. That was that couple you liked at the open house. I despised them. Well, they just came back with a new offer. And check that shiz up. Way over asking price. Ron, who cares who they are? That's a massive bid. I'm gonna be a mogul. I bought that cabin 18 years ago for $2,200. I do not care about the money. I can't even understand what you're saying right now. That cabin <laughs> served an important purpose for me. As a quiet refuge from the nonsense of modern life. I'd like the next owners to understand and share that purpose. Find me someone like that, and I'll happily sell. I'll buy it. You can't afford that house. Can you afford that house? <laughs> what would you use it for? I'd go up there and take Andy and Champion and just get away from everyone else and look at spiders. And it's where I'd bury the bodies of that annoying couple after I murder them. <laughs> Here's my offer. I will give you everything in my purse. Um, $8, a bunch of loose cough drops, and... Larry's asthma inhaler. Thank God, I've been looking for that. Larry, this is part of a real estate transaction now. You have no legal claim to it. Sorry, I had no idea. <laughs> this is the best offer I've heard yet. Uh, you tripping right now. Sold. Don't even trip. Your commission. Thanks a lot. Your share, mogul. I don't think that turned out the way Tom was hoping. No, no, he, he might be like, a gumball mogul, like maybe. you might be able to buy a gumball, and that's in, about in it. In 1984, yeah, maybe I'm, then gumballs are a lot more than that now. No, they they've increased in price. They really have, yeah, yeah, you know, inflation. Well, we now head over to Councilman Jam's office, where Chris delivers on his going away present to Leslie, and this ensures that Leslie will not have to sing "Beauty School Dropout" after all. Thank God. We now cut to the office of one Councilman Jeremy Jam a.k.a. Lex Luthor, where Leslie and Chris are seated in front of him. Chris tells Jam straight up, you give Leslie her lockbox and you get me in your hip pocket. Starting in my next term as city manager, I will give you one huge IOU, no questions asked. Jam pauses, considers, and then counters with five IOUs. Chris reluctantly agrees. Five huge IOUs from him in his next term as city manager, and Leslie gets her lockbox. They all agree. Hands are shaken. Done and done. Uh, the, the end of this is so classic, too. Jam says, you really must want that park. And she said, I do. And to tell you the truth, I'm doing this all for my best friend. <laughs> Jam says... <laughs> that This is one of my favorite lines in the whole so episode. Good. He hears Leslie say yeah. that and says... That's all I wanted to hear. Leslie, you're my best friend, too. <laughs> the look on her what? face. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was what was behind it all. I guess. He just wanted a friend. It made me a little sad. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> it really that, that, is, that is truly one of the few cringe-worthy moments, I think. You know? Yes, but so funny. Yes. So incredibly funny. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Well, Mark, a short while later, Ben and Leslie deliver the good news to Chris and check in with him to make sure that he's okay with his decision to help her unlock the lockbox. Mm. 
Yeah, a bit later, we see Leslie and Ben walking into Chris's office, and Leslie tells Chris the lockbox vote passed three to two, and that Jim is going to be pissed <laughs> when he finds out that Chris is leaving and his IOUs are essentially worthless. He would have given him 5,000 IOUs. Chris admits it's not the most ethical thing he's ever done, but you know what? Jam's a big mean dope. And Chris hopes this kind of eases the pain of them moving away. And then Chris asks Ben how his new job is going. And Ben tells him, it's great. I've already got a raise. My fridge is full of calzones. They all love me. Like, what's not to like, right? It's perfect. They could even be into claymation. I'm not Um, sure. We'll find out. Chris then tells Ben the reason he's asking is, Pawnee's going to need a new city manager. And Chris has talked to some people. Ben's got the votes if he wants the job. Ben is blown away by this news and then tells Chris, oh, wow, I would be insane to say no. And then he pauses, <laughs> contemplating, and then says, oh, no, oh, no. when he realizes <laughs> what he's going to have to do again. Well, and speaking of that, Mark, finally, and our episode's kicker, we bounce back over to Barney's office one last time, and Ben delivers both the bad news and a bit of a going-away gift that seems like it may have found its forever home. Our last scene is back at good old Tilton and Radomsky Accounting, where we see Ben entering Barney's office. Constantine, play us out, buddy. Wyatt, you're late. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Actually, Barney, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Oh. Today's my last day. I got an opportunity I couldn't say no to, and I have to quit again. No need to explain. I knew it was too good to be true. Oh, I do have a little going away gift. Left it in the break room. If anyone could appreciate it, it's you guys. You can play with one warrior, but it's just not nearly as good. Enjoy Ben Wyatt. Let's play. I call it Benjamin. There's going to be a fight breaking out. Yeah, over the Ledgerman, yeah. of course. Yeah. Well, fade to black, right? Yeah, fade yeah. to black. Nice job. Well, Mark, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. We'll compare some notes. We'll get back to this thing, give some scores, and then send everyone home. All right, let's do it, man. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Are you a fan of the amazing movie musical, Grease? Would you like to see it live on stage with a professional cast? Of course you would. Unfortunately, in this case, you will have to settle for what we have for you instead. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Spawned from a drunken night of karaoke, Pawnee Community Theater is proud to present our very own staging of the famous musical and Hollywood sensation, Grease. Originally staged as a sing-along, our production will proceed without the audience participation elements due to early reviews by Brett and Harris, formerly of Animal Control, who insisted they were irritated the cast did not take requests such as Free Bird. Taking place within the gymnasium inside of the William Percy Recreation Center, our all-Pawnee cast includes the very face-punchable K. 
Councilman Jeremy Jam DDS as sweet and wholesome Sandy Olson. Maybe it's time to take this party to Rydell High. Whoa! Councilwoman Leslie Nope during her final days in office as Danny Zuko. I cannot wait to hear your Travolta. Uh, no, no, no. I'm Sandra D. That's more of my register. You're Zuko. He got friendly holding my hand. She got friendly down in the sand. He was sweet, just turned 18. Well, he was good, you know what I mean. Oh, summer heat, boy and girl meet. But I owe the summer nights. Also co-starring April Ludgate as the rebellious Rizzo. This is Stacy Knobloch's house. I went to high school with her and she was super mean to me. And now I know that she dyes her hair. I knew that Wedge wasn't naturally blonde. Indy Dwyer as her boyfriend, Kinicki. Keep your hickeys to yourself, son. I don't know, I think that would, that's pretty gross. Seems kind of weird. What's weird about one friend sucking on another friend's neck? You know, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound that weird at all. Yeah, it's not. All right, awesome, I'm in. I'm gonna go sterilize my neck. Ethel Beavers as no-nonsense Principal McGee. I barely know you, and I don't have to talk to you unless it's about work. Joan Calamezzo as Frenchie. Ron Swanson as incorrigible Coach Calhoun who will be introducing these no-goodniks to the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Behold, the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include haircuts. There are three acceptable haircuts. High and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Mouse Rat reprising Sha Na Na's role as Johnny Casino and the Gamblers. And finally, Pawnee's own Pistol Pete DeCilio reprising the Teen Angel role made famous by Frankie Avalon. Uh, sure, why not? Be sure to go onto the internet with your browser of choice and reserve your tickets today. When you attend the show, be sure to tell the ticket taker, Ron, uh, I mean, Coach Calhoun sent you, and receive a coupon for half off of a grease lightning combo from Ponchburger. A double-decker roast beef sandy, which, complete with a large side of Frenchy fries, and a 32-ounce iced T-Bird. Who wrote this? <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, hey, Mark, uh, you know, we'll talk deleted scenes briefly because, well, they were brief. Uh, yes. There's Maybe not so brief. Three minutes, but there's only two scenes. Yeah. Uh, the one is basically the extended version of the cold open. Right. Which is even better, but... You know, it's probably what maybe a minute longer almost. It's it's quite long, but it just it's a little more of Ben just 
going crazy with all these thoughts about the game, basically, and a little bit more of Leslie's reactions. So yeah, just a little better. Yeah, so. I mean, always welcome. But as we like to Cut say, I think, think they yeah. made the right choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I think um, there's let's see what was the other one oh yeah yeah ron is a little bit sad about selling the cabin him and april at the bonfire mm. i think that was the other scene they had here as well which yeah. didn't add a lot but um not bad i don't know it was a nice april ron moment that unfortunately we lost that's but, true yeah well how about tropes first and fun facts and goofs and all that fun stuff mark uh what kind of first did you get this week i came up with four wow. so one's a gimme we were first introduced to the cones of dunshire fair um, we finally get a look inside Jam's house. I think we've oh. gotten a few outside shots, yeah, maybe, but we've never the seen yard, inside yeah, in his dogs. appreciation of Asian culture. Um, <laughs> ben was first offered a job as city manager. Nice. And April now owns a Swanson cabin. All right. Those are all valid. Yeah. Yeah. I only had one in addition. I said it's the first time that we learned that Anne and Chris are definitely leaving. Oh, they've been talking about it, but there's been no official plan. She's house hunting, though. Like, it's a thing now. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we learned that along with Leslie. Good call. I think that's it on first, though. Yeah. We, usually we don't have five in one show. So that's yeah. pretty good. How about tropes? Uh, tropes, uh, punching ba- PBJ, punching bag Jerry for, yep. you know, using or his Larry. asthma inhaler as oh, a, okay. you know, Part of a real estate transaction. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I had no idea. I always just kind of put uh, Jerry, Gary, Larry, just because they call him Larry. And I always think of him as Jerry. Is that yeah. what I think of that? Um, Leslie hates Jam. Jam hates Leslie. Uh, that's a gimme just because yeah. they're going head to head. Yeah. Um, TBM, Tom, Tom, uh, TTM, I guess. Tom the Mogul. Tom the He's mogul. always wants yeah. to be some sort of mogul. He does. Um, a mogul mogul, maybe. <laughs> RLP, Ron loves his privacy. He does. Um, I put mugs to the camera and then expected to fill it in. And I actually don't know if I found any. Ben, several times. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're, they're, yeah, they're like, I think just around the cones, there's the one to, like when he reacts to Leslie's reaction about like, you know, he's going to throw it in the trash. Um, oh. there, there's a scene at Tiltman Rundowski where he mugs to the camera as well. Uh, I think both one when he's happy and one when he's sad about quitting. Huh. But I think they were all Ben this time. I, I honestly missed that. I thought yeah. they were all part of a like a dialogue. Uh like but yeah, you may be right. Yeah. I believe it. If it's gonna be a mug to the camera, it's probably Ben. Ben was like our originator of the mugs of the camera trip. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also if Biggie Ben doesn't get it. Um <laughs> that's true. Uh B L C Ben loves Calzones. Yeah, oh my god, yes. Um He's and, got boxes of them and leftovers. B L B Barney loves Ben. That's a good one. Yeah. I have the antithesis of that one. Mm. Ben disappoints Barney, BDB, uh, yeah. which frankly we should have had before now. Yeah. It's, this is the definite, you know, uh, climactic version of that, but that's a trope for sure. Right. Um, I had overprepared Leslie. I mean, I mean, she brought sleeping bags. She brought a T-Birds jacket and a pink ladies yeah. jacket, was ready to sing his favorite Calendar duet. of female wrestlers, Cal- the yeah. whole works. I mean, there's no way she could have been more prepared for that battle. Right. So she was determined to win. Yep. So I think that's all I had on tropes yep. that, that you didn't have. So um, I did not clock any goose this week or any fun facts. I had... I had three fun facts okay. that I got from the wide, wide world sure. of web. I like stealing um, from them. 
One is when, when Donna shows her uh, her real estate card to Ron, it just so happens the clothes she's wearing in the picture on the card are the same clothes she's wearing at that point. It just it was just it interesting. Happens. Yeah, it, it it's not anything but just like, huh, that's interesting. Um you mentioned that uh, Chris is wearing a soccer referee shirt. Yeah. So the sleeve patch on on his right arm is for the UEFA Champions League, which is a Europe-wide football soccer yeah. uh, competition. Um, nice. Um, and then finally, I thought this is kind of interesting. Um, Mayfair Games, the makers of Settlers of Catan, in 2015, mm-hmm. Mayfair Games launched a Kickstarter campaign to produce a real uh, playable version of Cones of Dunshire. Yep. It failed primarily because, the, my understanding of this is correct, for a $150 pledge, you got a deluxe game box. Um, the actual game required a $500 pledge. Ellen, for $500, they better provide a Ledgerman hat. At least yeah, three. I know. Yeah, that that's kind of crazy. I now, know. I can imagine that the cost of building that game would be pretty expansive in mass production. But I think a home version is totally practical. Those cones, they're all those styrofoam cones. Just go to Michael's. You got those, right? I agree. So I agree. I think we should do that. I think we should build our own version of, of settlers, our own version of cones, I mean, which you know, clearly uh, that's inspiration for cones, at right? At least I a mean, prototype. Yeah. I, I'm I'm for it. I think we do it. Sure. No, all right. Yeah. Uh, I'll start uh, Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. He's here today. Uh, he, he's right down for us. Okay. He's making a shopping list <laughs> of Michael's this? right now. All right. Rewind it and see what all they ne- we need. Go, man. Go. Yeah. I can't cost $500. No. But I'll, I'll, maybe the ledger hat. Well, those are good fun facts, Mark. Yeah. Why don't we now jump into our scores? I think we're ready. Well, we're there. It's time. Why don't we? All right. Um, My MVP for this episode, Alan, is Rob Lowe, Chris Traeger. Um, this this episode was a great opportunity for Chris to kind of step into the into the spotlight and and make real difference. And hasn't been in the last couple episodes, and so now we're really depending on Chris to drive home the point that like you said they really are moving away and, and to give us as the audience a satisfying series of moments which he manages to do chris i thought also showed some surprising insight for him at least as he's the one who realizes hey there may be something else going on with leslie other than mm. just you know beating jam in their in their tiebreaker yeah. um I, I was writing some other stuff but i actually read a review uh, for this episode that's on avclub.com and i really liked a particular snippet which i'll read now chris has always been one of the show's more quietly fascinating characters as he's driven by a set of principles that are just as strong as but not identical to leslie's when the pair's deeply held ideals have clashed as in jerry's painting and the trial of leslie nope Chris has emerged as one of the more formidable of Leslie's adversaries, because for all his ridiculousness, he can't be reduced to just another straw man like Jam. While there's no big confrontation between the two in Cones of Dunshire, it's Chris who has to tell Leslie in no uncertain terms that the move is happening. Roblo simply drops Chris's surface-level goofiness to make it clear just how serious he is. The weight of Chris's goodbye gift to Leslie also shouldn't be underestimated since he compromises his ethics to get the deal with Jam done. And considering how unbending he's been for all these years, like even earlier in the episode, he refuses to help Leslie in any way that might violate his duties as city manager. His decision to mislead Jam demonstrates just how much Leslie and Chris mean to each other as friends and colleagues. I really like that. I like that, too. Yeah. 
I, and I, I don't want to take away from it, but I've pointed out before that Chris has done some things to get his way that do break those rules anyway, which I felt was always a mistake when it was written that way. Yeah, you should have him stick to his 14 karat gold outlook on like unbending yep. ethics, yep. etc. And find a different way for him to get what he wants. I, I never liked that they did that. I felt like what's written here is the way they meant Chris to be, though. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I acknowledge that that has happened and you and I have kind of called it yeah. out. I like to imagine Chris in this light. Yeah, this is right. Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. That's a great um, MVP. Good call. So a, a few additional notes. I just... Alan, I just love, love, love the show's running gag with Barney Varman and the whole Tilton and Radomski angle. It's 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 stupid. It's corny. It's it. ultimately love throwaway. It. But I find myself getting borderline giddy each time we have an episode where we get to revisit Barney and the accounting firm that always tries and ultimately fails to hire the legend, the yep. great Ben Wyatt. Yep. Part of this has to do with the fantastic portrayal of Barney by the great John Balma. But it, who's it, been on our show, who's been on our show. Uh, but it goes so much deeper than this, like it embraces Ben's. A nerdiness to such a degree that it nearly elevates him to godlike stature. Like it's just <laughs> at least for those eleven people. Yes, it's freaking fantastic. It's I love it. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, I, I want to say real quick yeah. too. I mean, I just might as well say it now. John Balma was such a great guest on our show. Yes. And I remember in doing prep for our interview, I watched all of his appearances including this one. Yeah. Back in season what? 2? Yeah. Season 3? So I've literally been waiting this whole time to see Cones again. Oh man. And so it was a real big payoff for me. Oh. And, and he's so terrific. He is it. so good. Yeah. yeah. Um so speaking of guest stars, like in addition to John Balma, I really love John Glazer as Councilman Jeremy yeah. Jam in this one. Because yeah. usually, you know, Alan, the the jam that we tend to see is just an unapologetically awful human yep. being, but well said. is kind of interesting and somewhat satisfying to see some additional, dare I say, character depth. Like yeah. as we glimpsed his very weird and pathetic home life, we saw his bizarre gender reverse summer nights do it oh with Leslie. God, so we heard him call Leslie the Superman to his Lex Luthor because of course he would root for the bad guy. And finally embracing what he thought was Leslie calling him her best friend, and then in a delightfully cringeworthy moment, reciprocating. Like, yikes and awesome. I loved it. Um, Small nitpick. I, I think we've said this before, and this isn't really any different, but I really do feel like it's it's worth calling out. You know, Alan, for our AKAs, we both quoted Councilman Milton, and that really brought to mind, Councilman Jam is great, but... It certainly seems like there are huge wasted opportunities for the other very funny councilmen. Kevin Kevin Simons as Sexy Dexy, Councilman Dexart, James Green as of course as the venerable yep. and very funny Councilman Milton, and Yvonne's Jordan even as Councilman Hauser. He's funny too. And and yep. to have people of such to have such chops to not take advantage of it is just sad in a way. I get that there's only a certain amount of time you got, but you know, okay, that's it. All right, enough of that craziness. Let's go on to the Mark rubric. Um, I'm going to give this a four base score. I thought that the A and C stories were great. Which did you have a C again? I think you uh, that I was flipped. the 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 Tilton and Radomski okay. Ben one. Okay. Um, the B story, honestly, with my man crush Ron Swanson. Yeah. Meh. 
I, 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 I was right. really surprised. I mean, not only did it have Ron Swanson, who you would think I would just automatically have to love due to principle, it had like half the cast in it. And, and yet <laughs> I kind of felt meh about it, yeah. you know? Um, I'm going to give half a point for a great performance by my episode MVP, Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger. I want to give another half point for what I thought were good performances that deserve note by, by Retta uh, as Donna. Thank you. Adam Scott as Ben Wyatt. And Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. I thought that she did a great job, too. I want to give half a point for what I thought was a really nice list of guest stars. Uh, John Balma as Barney Varm, Bob Bancroft as Frank Mann, uh, John Glazer, of course, as Councilman Jam. And then I, I mentioned, you know, Kevin Simons, James Green, Yvonne's Jourdain. Um, I would say for me, if I were going to do guest star MVPs, John Balma and John Glazer, hmm. uh, by far, uh, very worthwhile. Yeah. Um, some cheater combos coming up. I, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Tilton Radomski combo. The fantastic running gag of Ben once again accepting an offer with them, them absolutely loving him, and then only to ha to quit immediately. Plus, of course, the great John Balma. Um, half a point for what I call the jam combo. John Glazer was great in his portrayal of Councilman Jam, especially since we got a hint of a more complex but still very weird person underneath it all. Plus, finally getting a look inside Jam's house. Um, half a point for what I call the long con combo coming full circle on the plot point that arguably started the whole series, I thought was tremendous. I'm going to give half point for what I call the long goodbye combo, mm. them addressing the seriousness of Anne and Chris really leaving in Leslie's inability to process it. I'm going to give half point for what I call the resolution combo. Chris's final gift to Leslie, enabling her to get the coveted lockbox, guaranteeing a future for the Pawnee Commons, plus April getting Ron's house for $8 and Jerry's asthma inhaler, <laughs> plus Ben getting an offer to be the next city manager. And finally, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the bookend combo, as I've often done. The cold open and kicker were great reveals about the cones of Dunshire and what Ben ended up doing with them. Maybe it doesn't deserve this half point, but for me, the cones of Dunshire are so meaningful in Parks and Rec lore that it just worked for me. So, Alan, you, you add all those points up and you come up with 8.5 little sebastians this was another very strong episode I, I was a bit surprised that i was so meh on the b story yeah. but it was for me the low point of the episode i'm sorry to say that nick offerman i, I love you i love you more than i would like to admit um <laughs> but you know the leslie chris jam story ben's brief return to tilton and radomsky made it worth the while um so 8.5 little sebastians alan that's my review Rock that scuba. All right. Scuba, scuba in, incoming. Yeah. Uh, so caught it. See, did you can't see me catch you there? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Mark, uh, let me tell you how you're wrong. So, okay. uh, nah. MVPs. I, I did co MVPs this week. Okay. And I gave mine to Amy Poehler and John Glazer. Wow. Um, I felt like, you know, this was the near perfect A story. Uh, I'll talk about the B, B and C in a minute, but I felt like this was the near perfect A story. And for a lot of the reasons you already mentioned, I won't repeat a lot of them, but I thought particularly that your comments are right on about John Glazer and finally getting the the, the jam character to be a little more than just a one dimensional, a one dimensional character. Yeah. yeah. We may have only got another half a dimension, but. I don't know. Maybe we did get a third or a fourth. I don't know. Just the the whole friendship thing just like blew me away. I mean, and I, I it's hard to like get over that. It's so funny. Um, I feel like, you know, his 
there was more nuance in his performance as 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 jam this time and i think getting to go into his dojo uh, his yeah, home yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, allowed us to kind of explore that in ways we just never really had the i guess the impetus for is right. maybe the way to think of it so i thought it was well written that it, they they basically wrote themselves those opportunities so i feel like the a story is nearly perfect here um i you know the the b story that's our real estate story right Right. Okay. Uh, the C story, uh, which one's that? That's the Tilton Radomski. Yeah. And- that one's super funny too. Yeah. I mean, that maybe not perfect, but Ben is in his element and it just doesn't get much funnier than that. Right. Like, like you said, that's almost like the world in which Ben is the hero of the story, right? Right. It's yeah. like Ben returned to his home planet. That's right. Exactly right. And so when Ben's in normal society, though, not so much, right? right? Uh, well, that's Bidgey Ben. So, right. <laughs> that I like this Ben, and it's cool for him to get a shot. And, and at the same time, you feel disappointed for him that he can't stay there. And also get the city manager job, which he deserves, you know, and it's going to be a great opportunity for him. It is. But there is part of me that was like, you need to stay. I know. <laughs> you I need know to what stay. you mean. Dude, I do. You have a fridge full of calzones. They love you. Why? But, uh, I John, get it. Again, John Balma as Barney is, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I wanted to call it specifically also Bob Bancroft as Frank. Yeah. That was such a great semi-nemesis character for Ben. Yeah. And to give Ben, who is mild-mannered Ben a nemesis, Yeah. that was funny. Yeah. This guy who just isn't buying the hype, right? Right. I, I think I knew that was always going to happen, but I assumed it would be Ted. Mm. Like, I thought Ted would finally come in and just not see what Barney saw in him. Right. It was even funnier to me that it was a guy like Frank, though. Right. So, well done. Uh, so, the A and the C story, again, are, I think are so well done. And I, I don't have anything bad to say about the C story. Maybe a little more of it. I don't Maybe a little less of the A. But I was really, like you, I felt disappointed in the B story. I think it's what... It's definitely what kept me from giving this this episode an even higher score. Um, it should have worked, and I'm not sure why it wasn't funnier. You know, you know what I realized it was just now for me is if if Ron wants to have his very Swanson esque view of. I don't care about the money. I want to sell it to someone who's going to use it. I thought it that was sweet. Work. I liked it. I, I thought that was sweet. But then it made me think, why in the first place did you go through the machinations of going through what what most of us? I thought about this. You know what I think would have made it work a little better? Mm. And it's not a big change. If he had just resisted it a little more up front and then gave in because he wanted to help Donna get this first experience. Like if they'd somehow made that his obvious impetus to do it. Because otherwise, it's out of character. Yes. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So anyway. Because it is sweet. It is sweet that he wanted. Because April, before he met Diane and the kids, April was the closest thing he had to a daughter. It really was. I get it. And I I thought it was also truly well, you know, prescribed that this is, this cabin for him was like life changing. It's not about the money. I thought all those things were right on topic. Right. So again, I think if we had given a little bit more to the to that particular storyline, we could have gotten even closer in my mind to to a perfect scored episode. I will say from that storyline that I thought in particular, Donna uh, Retta was great and Aziz was very good too. I I really liked the way those characters were written and I didn't really have a problem with Ron necessarily, but just again, there's some element to that storyline that's kind of missing that gets you to meh. Yeah. So 
too bad because I think otherwise I would have given this episode a 10. Instead, I gave it a 9.0, Little Sebastians. Wow. I This is one of my favorite episodes. I mean, certainly I remembered it that way. I was not disappointed when I rewatched it. Um, I think it lives up to the hype, the, the Cones. I own the Cones shirt, right? So yep. I guess I'm a Cones fanboy at the end of the day. So um, yeah, that, I, I enjoyed this episode and was glad to have it back. But I, I guess I had forgotten that it was a little imbalanced at the end of the day. So interesting. So you, you think that for you, if they had been able to elevate the B story up to what, up to, up to what you perceive as the level of the A and the C, yes, that would have been a 10. Yeah. I, I maybe crank up the, the C story like half a notch, crank up the B story five notches and you get a 10 point out because the A story, again, I think other than maybe it felt long, because it felt like it didn't leave a lot of runway for the other two storylines. Yeah. And again, another way to fix that in this particular case would have been the the bonus episode, the producer's cut. I yeah. think you could have nailed this with a producer's cut as a 10 if you gotten a little more haha in the Ron storyline. I completely agree. Yeah. You know what was interesting to me as well? The Ron storyline, despite it having half the cast, or maybe even more if you include Jerry. Yeah. Um, it had the least number of scenes of all of them. Sounds right. And that's it's weird to put that many people in there, that much comedic power, and not really use it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You don't want to get farcical, but they could have done a lot more, I think, on the, the comedy side. I think it had a good heart baseline, but it just didn't have enough to deliver it. Yeah. So... So there you go. Yeah. So, you know, I, you were eight and a half. I'm nine. So we're not that far apart. Yeah. And I know we're going to do a season five review coming up here in a future grab bag. We're going to talk a little about the score differentials. That's so, right. Um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. This is obviously season six, which we'll eventually recap here because this was, uh, what is this, episode nine for us? Yeah. Ten, but if you go by the official count, I suppose. So we're getting to the halfway point of season six. Yeah, we're getting close. Yeah. So... Well, good. Well, we will be back, Mark, and I believe in in the next couple of weeks we're going to have episode ten, which is going to be uh, second chance. Second chance. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I I have a lot to say about that episode already. <laughs> I've already started my prep on it, and I I I won't spoil alert. I liked it. So, uh, and then we'll have our grab bag episode come up as well. Excellent. And I think after that, we'll kind of be back in our normal routine going into the fall. And there, we're going to really try to chunk this thing, get a release every week. I don't know if we're going to get done in this calendar year, but we're going to come darn close. Yep. Yeah. I agree. That's exciting. It's yeah. exciting to be here at the end. It'll be a little sad when we're done, but at the same time, uh, you know, this has been a, 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 a what do they call that? A, a labor of love. Yeah. It's been a gratifying journey. I mean, I definitely want to see this through. I yeah, agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Go out on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, please. Check us out on uh, occasionally we're on Instagram and the Twitters and uh, even Facebook every once in a while. We've been pretty bad at that lately. Maybe as we get a little bit into the groove here this fall, we'll get back on this us a little better as well. So, and until next time, thanks for listening. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Uh, a short while later, Ben and Leslie deliver the good news to Chris and Jason. Who the is Jason? I, I swear to God, uh, I've got to do better. <laughs>
<laughs> Just put that on a post-it note. Do better. Better. It will be on my wall by the end of the day. I'll probably misspell it. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh...